Howdy, howdy. Welcome to a new episode of the Screen Geeks podcast. I'm Sean, and here's my co-host Christian, straight off his night shift at the Trust the Bro Moving Company. Say hi, Christian. Hey, how's it going? So today we're doing a deep dive into Marvel's Hawkeye episode three, and later Christian and I will each give you our list of our top five favorite Christmas movies, so stay tuned. All right, so we open. It's 2007. We have a young girl named Maya in school. We come to find out that she's deaf. Uh, it looks like she's good at school, just there might be some sort of like a uh, communication barrier that's holding her back a little bit. So we meet her father um, later that night. He's telling her stories about dragons and she's really interested in dragons. She asks if she's going to be able to go to the deaf school and he tells her that they're not going to be able to pay for it. And that she's going to have to learn how to jump between two worlds, just like dragons do. And she's going to do that by watching and studying. Um, so I thought this was a pretty sweet scene. Like she had a good relationship with her dad. Um, they, they kind of have to give us a backstory on this character right away. We, we know that this is echo, but they don't, um, when they first open the episode, they don't specifically want you to know that I feel like. Yeah, and I agree. It kind of, even though you know she grew up more in a criminal world, like it, it kind of shows a sense of like you know. I mean, she was still not only a child, but deaf. And then even in that classroom scene, like the way she's looking around at all the other kids, right. like you know, you can tell like the emotion within her of you know i you know i'm not necessarily gonna say like jealousy but like a feel a feeling of you know uh exclusion you know i mean she she can see all the other kids talking laughing you know interacting and everything but it's like then it switches to like you know that silence like that's what she's experiencing but then you're right that the teacher comes by and the teacher looks like she's ready to like almost like discipline or like right you know, like she's like and then she looks down and sees that she's already like filled out her entire page you know yeah and, and it, I, it, I you know i really felt bad for her dad because you can tell that he wants to do right by her and he just can't and later we're gonna find out that he ends up getting involved with you know shady characters and that gives us kind of more um of a backstory on him at to kind of know like, well, why did he join up with this gang or why is he doing criminal stuff? It's like, he's doing it for his daughter. You know, he knows she has disabilities and he wants to do everything he can to try to make sure she succeeds. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. Cause of the scene with talking about the dragons and, and sorry, you know, we're we're not going to be able to do deaf school. Cause I mean, you can't, I, I can't even imagine how much like a specialized school Oh, would cost yeah. you know and and you can tell how much he loves her just in that scene alone and what you know he wants to do for her and you know and she she asked questions something like you know do i have to stop signing you know right. like and he's That's like so no. sad like, yeah like she thinks like she has to like conform to everybody else exactly he's like no you know and like you can tell how much he cares and everything so it, it's like that is like the start of the moment that you or that's like that's the moment right there that you know that she starts to really pay attention to everything else that's going on but still live right. within her world you know yeah so we see her at a karate class still young maya 
and we kind of see her POV, like she's studying these two kids that are fighting. She's looking at their movement. She's studying their habits. And then um, when it's her turn to fight, first of all, we find out that besides just being deaf, she only has one leg. Um, and then she has to fight a kid that's much bigger than her, much older. And she just easily defeats him because of the way that she studied his moves. It was not even a challenge for her to take him out. Yeah. And it, it was really interesting because you think about, um, you know, and she makes a comment later in the show we'll go into about like, maybe that technology is holding you back or whatever, you know, right. like with the earpiece, but you, you think about it, like, you know, not knowing what it's like to be born like that and come up in a world, like when you're deaf, like they have to use so many different right areas you know to study things look at things and so yeah you see like she's totally studying the, the foot movement and the fight before her looking at things just like her dad told her you know yeah to observe and things that maybe you know the other kids with hearing weren't totally paying attention to right you know? and i mean echo echo plays a big part in the daredevil comics so it's very similar to how matt murdoch does things you know he can't see so he has to rely on his other senses and it kind of makes him superhuman because he develops his other senses to be so strong. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he can, the, the way he hears that he hears things is like, he can almost see, you know? And, right. and I think with her, yeah, it was like her just studying and knowing. And even though when she stepped up to fight that kid, it, you know, and he's like, got this look on his face and he's like, Oh, like, what am I like, right. You know, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to, beat her up like and but she knows what move to do on him to take him down you right. know so um maya's dad tells her that uncle is going to be taking her home today and we get a very quick very subtle glimpse of uncle's voice to me it was obvious i've i've listened to some other podcasts and i've done some reading online People are like, oh, you know, that, yeah, that might have been Kingpin, but I don't know. It did it sound like him. And I was like, no, that was straight up Vincent D'Onofrio. That was Kingpin. It's not even a question in my mind. I, one, I'm okay, 99.9% yeah. convinced that it was him because not only it was the quick little voice thing and he kind of talks a little bit low to maybe throw yeah. off the audience, but right. I agree. It totally sounded like him. And when he reached his hand out, like he had the white suit. And yeah. Like, I mean, it, it just, it was a very, like w w that whole little 10 second clip, whatever it was, I was like, that's, that's gotta be. Yeah. His. No, I mean, it come was, on. It was him. It was him, but we'll, we'll prove the other people wrong later. So <laughs> it's years later. Now we see an adult Maya. She's on her way to see her dad when she comes across their um, kind of, I guess the lair where the tracksuit uh hang out and she sees the ronin in there and he's killing all the members of the tracksuits and maya's dad is a member of the gang and he gets stabbed by ronin and so ronin ends up leaving maya comes in and the dad tells her to fly away little dragon and he dies very sad what did you mm -hmm. think i it, it's crazy because it's like when you see the one side of ronin which Again, this is what I've liked what the show has done, like from the opening scene we discussed of seeing the events of New York, like right. seeing something from a different perspective. Like we saw like 
what the Ronin went out and did years ago, like from his perspective right. and black or you know black widow's perspective but like to see it from the criminal's perspective it's like you know you don't want to feel bad for the criminals like when ron is out there kicking ass you know right he's like but then you see this like intimate like scene work because now you've seen more into the echo character like from her being a kid and her dad caring about her and their relationship and 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 like you said he was probably doing whatever he could do to take care of her and i'm not saying that any of it was right but it it that's what they did well was that they bring the emotion like you're you feel bad in that situation you yeah. know like for, i mean obviously what we, just happened we know that clint is ronin and he's our hero so you would think that anything he does we agree with but they show us this other perspective like you said and again yeah you you don't want to you're not rooting for the bad guy but you understand him and what the show has done so well is introduce us to all these new characters and give us their backstory and make us care about them in such a short amount of time you know last week we talked about on that first episode just the opening credits kind of scene kate's whole training montage and it you know mm-hmm. a quick two minute credit scene we get this scene of young maya and her dad and for the rest of the series, we understand her motivation. We understand the relationship she had with her dad. And they gave that to us in such a quick amount of time. I think they've done a really good job at that. No, I agree. Because because really, you think of all the time that they took was maybe an extra 10 minutes, if even that, to, to like have that background with her and her dad. And all, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that that completely changed like your viewpoint on her already like you just said because like if they would have just had echo and hey this is just echo she's badass and you know like right and you know this you know it'd be one thing but the fact that you get to see it from her being just a a deaf child in her relationship with her dad that yeah you're right it's like then you see him dying and you you just you feel for that you know right so no i like that so takes us to present day. We're picking up where we left off last week. We're at a abandoned K&B toys. And Clint <clears throat> and Kate are taped to one of those kids' quarter pony rides. And Maya comes out and she's trying to question Clint about the suit. And Clint tells her that Kate put the suit on by mistake. She's not Ronan. Ronan is not coming back that Ronan's dead. And Maya asks, well, who killed him? And Clint says Black Widow did, but Maya doesn't believe it. And I thought this was really cool. And what it reminded me of was Star Wars A New Hope. So Ben Kenobi tells Luke that Darth Vader betrayed and killed Anakin. And while we know that that's not necessarily the whole truth, it's actually not a lie either. So yeah, Black Widow kind of did kill Ronan in the fact that she was the one that was able to get to Clint and to bring him back into normalcy. And from that point on, Ronan was dead in Clint's eyes. You know, so I I saw a parallel there for sure. Yeah, no, and I I agree because like you see it when he's explaining it and you can even see the, the look in his eyes and the tone in his voice that... No, I mean, it's it's not a lie. It, it, you know, it's just not revealing everything, but he 
you know, he's saying, yeah, Black Widow killed the Ronin. Because, I mean, right. the Ronin was the persona he had stepped into. Right. You and, know, and it, once it, once it, Nat got to him, the Ronin ceased to exist in Clint's eyes. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, to him, even you could look at it. I mean, the Ronin was just... It, not it's not even who it's not who he is now you know exactly. I mean, it's, it's who he who he was for a while like he went to that dark dark area for a long time you know when he lost his yeah. family but but once nat saved him yeah i mean the ronin's dead it's gone and black widow is the one to care of it but yeah she makes the comment like oh so both are dead that's convenient. right convenient, you know, right. Like, so so clint Clint ends up breaking free and he kind of goes all over the toy store fighting off the track suits and ends up facing off with maya and it seems like they're pretty evenly matched you know they each kind of get their their own licks in um she ends up breaking his hearing aid which is going to be a big plot point for kind of the rest of this episode so in all the commotion and all the fighting clint ends up finding his bow and arrow and um, one thing that I noted in this whole fight, it was, a, it was kind of a cool scene, like going all over that toy store, but I thought it was cool that kind of the way we talked about Maya studying her um, opponents and their moves and things like that, Clint is using this toy store to his advantage. So he's jumping in the ball pit when he needs to. He's finding these little kids trampolines to jump off of when it needs to. So the two of them are evenly matched because both of them have the skills to kind of adapt to what environment they're in which i thought was cool yeah no i i, I liked the way he was moving around the store and even getting up on the shelves and not you know and then getting it up top to finally get his bow so yeah yeah so he ends up um shooting an arrow and cutting kate free and they escape and so out in the parking lot they steal a car but because clint doesn't have his hearing aid they have a bunch of communication issues. Some of them are played for comedy. Some of them are kind of, you know, more plot driven, like reasons why she can't hear what he's saying or he or vice versa. He doesn't know what she's saying or um, things like that. But <clears throat> there's a really cool car chase scene. I thought it was one of the best car chases I've seen in a long time. Sometimes I'll be honest, like I get kind of bored at generic action scenes, but this one had a really cool one or shot at least it's played like it's in one shot i'm sure they found ways to cut around it and the camera just panning around 360 degrees constantly mm -hmm. so you're seeing every vantage point of this car chase and i thought it was really cool the 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 first part of that car chase when they open up and they've got the camera i mean i don't know exactly how they did it right you know you know production wise but you know i'm assuming it was just something that was rotating like you said 360 but it was really cool how it, yeah it was like you saw it from the back then the side to the front to them yeah back, to the back you know like it really put I, you like in that car where you understood exactly like where you were in relation to everything else and it kind of put you in the moment i thought yeah no i i thought that was awesome the way they started that so yeah so uh, kate kate grabs the bow and arrow and she's going to try to fend off the track suits who are chasing behind her but clint tells her they're out of regular arrows so Kate's going to finally get to use some of these trick arrows she's been wanting to use for the last couple episodes. And so here's a breakdown of some of the arrows she gets to use. So she uses a Play-Doh or Silly Putty arrow. She uses an explosive arrow. She uses a plunger arrow that is not super <laughs> effective at the time. 
they they use a grappling hook arrow through a christmas tree lot and that's that does pretty pretty well what they what they intend to uh there's acid arrows and they take out some stoplights there's a purple gas arrow that ends up taking out maya's car but before that happens kate's able to retrieve her own bow and arrow from the back seat of that car um the track suits are still chasing behind and they're coming straight for clint and kate Clint has Kate shoot an arrow straight up in the air so that it'll come right down on the truck, but it's just a regular arrow. And Clint uses a Pym-tipped arrow. So obviously Hank Pym from Mm -hmm. Ant-Man. He's obviously collaborating now with some of the Avengers. Something he would never do in the past because he was so anti-Stark, but now that Tony's out of the way, it seems like Hank Pym has kind of stepped in and he's contributing his tech. So there's a a Pym-tipped arrow that Clint uses to shoot Kate's arrow. It turns Kate arrow gigantic and it takes out the tracksuit's car. So what'd you think of that? I, I was not expecting that. And right. Like, the least bit, like I was like, I, at first I thought that the arrow that she was going to be shooting or something straight up when it was going to come down, like it needed to come down right on top of the truck because it was going to explode, whatever. Like I'm like, okay, yeah. there's something. But then he shoots his up and I'm watching it go up and 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 i'm wondering like what he's doing to hit it and you have no idea it's like all of a sudden it shows the vehicle and there's just this gigantic arrow that comes down like an oak tree yeah i was like holy shit like i was not expecting that because he hadn't seen anything like that and i was also still caught up like in just those few seconds of the pim you know like seeing the name you know and i'm like oh okay so you know it it, that that was pretty cool and what i liked about that and even like a few minutes before that when he was like you know take out the lights with the acid you know like it's showing too that how much he is like trusting her in her abilities like right he wouldn't just tell like a normal person like hey shoot an arrow into that light you know what i mean like he's you know, starting to see things and he's like yeah she can do this she can handle this right like, and la- later he's going to give her a compliment about her archer skills but i definitely think this is when he's realizing that maybe she does have something to contribute and again clint using his environment to his advantage you know the the stoplights the christmas trees whatever um but it seems like at this moment they kind of become partners a little more to where the previous two episodes clint kind of wanted kate not involved as much as possible yeah and i mean he wouldn't have just like the trick arrows are like i mean he's not going to just give those to anybody you right. know like to, to use like and, yeah so i think it really showed in the moment like he trust her to use them and then trust her even to make these crazy shots like and he did it was like almost like he didn't even like think about with the lights and stuff like he just knew that she, right you know he's like hey, take out the lights yeah you know? like yeah. It, you know how many archers can do that you know right but. exactly so the last arrow kate has is a usb arrow that um is played for comedy but it, it doesn't really do anything it you know it kind of bounces right off of dude's chest um yeah clint retrieves the plunger arrow and they escape by jumping off the bridge um, Clint uses his bow to kind of shoot a grappling hook on the bridge and they swing under the bridge and this is where Clint uses the plunger arrow to catch them on a subway car and they end up 
getting away from the tracksuit. So the plunger arrow, while seemingly ineffective earlier, actually did play a big part in their escape. Yeah, no, and I thought that was funny because, like, when she first shoots it, she's like, well, what the hell? Like, you know, like, and right. then she's like, oh, okay, I see. <laughs> that did come in handy. Yeah, exactly. So, and so on the subway car, again, we're seeing the two of them not being able to communicate efficiently talking about needing to walk the dog and whatnot. And this is where Clint tells her that she is a good archer, but. Well, in, in that scene too, what I actually really liked and thought was funny, it was like, cause he can't hear her. And right. it, it, it's like, she, she says, Oh man, maybe we should walk the dog. Like he's been cooped yeah. up, you know? And then like a minute later, he's like, Oh, you know, probably should walk the dog. Right. He's been like cooped up all day. So, you know? I mean, you know, again, it's showing the two of them kind of in sync, you know, even though they're, uh, even though they they aren't able to talk it shows that their mindset is going to the same place which is good yeah and she gets this like little smile on her face because she right. knows like that that's kind of what's happening yeah so the aftermath of that big action scene we're back at kate's aunt's place and clint's phone rings but obviously he can't hear who's on the other end first he thinks it's his wife he says can we text but kate interrupts and she tells him that it's a little boy so it's um, Clint's son Nathaniel the little kid and it's kind of a very very sad scene because Clint can't hear what his son is saying Kay is translating like writing what the the boy is saying on the like a notepad and it comes down to Nathaniel not thinking that Clint's going to be home in time for Christmas and I thought Jeremy Renner was fantastic in this scene because it was just heartbreaking you know it's like he's clint knows where he should be and again he's sacrificing his and his family's happiness to try to do the right thing but it just really broke my heart no i I agree i i i was super sad during that scene because you're right like the way he answers it you know, yeah, he thinks it's his wife at first and he's just like, hey, you know, I'll call you back. And then the way Kate steps in even shows too, like, I mean, it showed him right? Like, how much she cares and yeah, is this, trying to help him do. This is Kate you know? giving Clint an assist for once instead of Clint helping Kate. Yeah, because in that moment, like, if she wouldn't have been there or been able to help him, his you know, his kid would have been asking, like, what are you talking about? Like, and, you know, like, he wouldn't have been able to hear, understand anything that's going on. And this kid would have been worried and like, you know, like, what's wrong with dad? Like, what's right. wrong, you know? And so he was able to get through the conversation and it was sad. And it, I thought it was even more sad. The fact that the kid said, it's okay if you can't make it home for right. Christmas. Like, like he's so know, used to being disappointed. Like he's telling his dad, I'll understand when you don't make it yes like instead of like hey you better make it home or we can't wait you know like you know and you're thinking like well hopefully he makes it but like the fact that he said it's okay you know like yeah that just made it even sadder yep for real so back to the track suits we see that they're moving hideouts and they're moving all the stuff out of the k&b toys via their trust a bro moving co moving van (laughs) yeah trust a bro (laughs) Yeah, that was funny because every, everything these guys say is bro, bro, bro. Yeah, yeah. They're just so they're they're so amateurish. It's funny. Right. Yeah, but, and it is funny. You know, like a lot of times, like a device like that could be really cheesy, but I think it actually does play kind of funny. 
Well, yeah, because even, uh, um, you know, Hawkeye mentions, I can't remember exactly when, but he mentioned something about like, it was almost like they were in the right place at the right time under the right circumstances. It was like the tracksuit mafia kind of fell into, in a sense, right, like, exactly. were there, you know, they didn't use their minds to, you know, grow this empire, yeah. you know, they, they, yeah. they, it, so, yeah. So, Kazi, who's Maya's kind of number two, uh, tells Maya that things got really out of hand earlier. And what if Uncle finds out? And Maya kind of blows it off. But again, we're making references to Uncle, who's obviously the head honcho of this crime group. Um, and Maya kind of has her own agenda. She wants revenge. You know, Ronan killed her dad. She's going to do everything she can to find Ronan. And her boss, we might come to find out later, is not going to be too happy about her having her own agenda. Yeah, and I, I think it showed, too, in the moment with him, like, obviously, he, he follows her, he trusts her to a point, except for this he saw, I mean, the destruction that was caused, like, just trying yeah. to get them, he's like, hey, I, I, you know, I get you want to get, but, like, at the same time, this is personal for you, like, this right. is, like, not, like, Ronan has been gone, ha you know, for all these years and i understand what happened but again like us going after hawkeye and now kate like i mean look what they just did to us like is this right. worth it you know and yeah if uncle who we think is fisk finds out i mean you can see like oh wait so you went on this huge car chase through the city got all your vehicles destroyed got your asses kicked yeah. you know and you're still going like and i think that's what her number two is like concerned about you know yeah. like it, like what are we doing shouldn't we be concentrating right. on other things and this is kind of like kind of like we saw with maya's dad is kazi doesn't necessarily seem like this big arch bad guy you know he he realizes hey that was dangerous what we did earlier that was crazy we shouldn't be doing things like that so i like how they're making the bad guys not just you know mustache twirling villains that they're people that actually have a point of view and have um you know good and bad parts of their personalities yeah and you know you, you've got to figure out this point obviously like they they all know who hawkeye is they know his capabilities and they get a hold of him and i think they quickly realize like after you know after hawkeye's being held like okay maybe maybe we were never in control, you know, right. <laughs> you know, it was like, and then like, I mean, yeah, there were some issue, a little bit of issues escaping, but I mean, really they, they handled it just fine. And yeah, I mean, it could have been a lot worse for the bad guys. Like, I mean, yeah. they destroyed them and, and he's like, basically like, yeah, you know, I kind of want to just continue our normal operations, you know, exactly. And, like, and forget going after Hawkeye. Yeah. So back to Kate and Clint. Um, they go to a doctor and she's able to fix Clint's hearing aid for them. They go to a diner to eat breakfast. Kate says like, she feels she was always born to do this, you know, being a hero. And Clint tells her that he used to think the same thing, but that it comes with a price. And obviously he's alluding to the stuff we've already been talking about is if you're going to be a average person trying to live your life and also be a superhero you're you can't do both a hundred percent so one thing's going to suffer you're either going to lack on you know your family life like we've seen him do 
or you're going to lack on the superhero life and you're going to you're going to lose people you know he he lost black widow he lost members of his team he lost years of his life doing espionage so yeah it's good to have glory and it's good to have people that look up to you but in the end you know you you're gonna have to pay the price for it and he tells her that the reason why he's never wanted a flashy costume is because he's not a role model he doesn't think people should look up to him but kate tries to tell him that she doesn't agree you know so like we talked about last week clint is very much on the I'm not a good person. People shouldn't look up to me. People shouldn't be calling me a hero. And while he has done some questionable things, he is still a hero. And Kate knows that. Yeah. And I mean, again, like we talked about last week was how, you know, guilty he feels for a lot of things that happened and having the, you know, survivor's guilt too, like exactly. with Black Widow and everything. And, and, and like what he's trying to explain to her, like, yeah again you're you're gonna make a lot of sacrifices because when you become you know when you become somebody like this like you have to be there when you're called you know there you know it's and yeah you're gonna miss birthdays and christmases and you know and not be there when your wife calls and you know like there's just a lot of things that you're giving up right so they, they go to walk the dog and Clint is telling Kate about Maya's boss. And it seems like Clint kind of knows who the puppet master is. And he tells Kate that the boss is someone you don't want to mess with. So it seems like Clint has probably, you know, had his own tangle with Fisk in the past. And he knows that, you know, you don't want to mess with the kingpin. Yeah, no, and then that's the thing too. Like his comment of "you don't want to mess," like it's obviously somebody well known in the criminal underworld. You know, right. it's not you know just a, a, a nobody. So right. exactly, and that's what makes me think it points to Fisk too, right there. Yeah. So they decide that they're going to snoop around Eleanor's house to look for info on how Jack could be involved with the track suits, and they go to Eleanor's house. And Kate gets on her computer. She's accessing the security database that we know Eleanor has um, access to because of her security company. And they find that Kazi, Maya's number two, is an employee at a company called Sloan Limited. And Clint thinks that sounds familiar, but he doesn't exactly know what it is. And he hears a noise and he kind of goes to investigate it. And this is where the episode ends with Jack surprising Clint with the Ronin sword at his throat. And that's where the credits roll. Yeah. And I think I had, I had texted you the yeah. other day about this. Like I, I swear, like sometimes I get so caught up in shows or movies, I lose track of time. And that's always a good, you know, a good sign. It is. Uh, or a sign of a good show. Cause I honestly, at that point, like, and then it ended, I'm like, wait that was like 45 or <laughs> I was like right. I, I felt like there was still like another 10 15 minutes or whatever like damn it I know and, like right there you just so badly you want to see what's going to happen are they going to have a like a duel or you know what's going to yeah. happen you know 
yeah that was like the time i was like oh, i wish there was back-to-back episodes this week right <laughs> so, yeah, you know but but yeah then it just ends and i'm like shit yeah. but i i still am you know i i still have the belief that he's actually not bad and i kind of even have a theory that we're going to find out that he was there at the apartment to do some of his own investigation oh. into Kate's mom. Yeah, that's Be- interesting. I didn't think about that. Because, you know, like if if it ends up being that he's not a bad guy, maybe he's had certain suspicions lately. Yeah. Especially after his uncle dies, and, right. you know, and like certain things. And, you know, and maybe he was there to try to find some clues of his own. Yeah, at the time. No, you know? that's a that's a good thought. So that's kind of just what I you know was thinking after the fact, like maybe, you know, like because otherwise I'm like I don't know I don't know what he was doing there, like right at that time of day, you right. know, like, middle of day. Like, what is he doing there? It's a good point. Yeah, and, and so maybe maybe he was there for with bad intentions. I don't know, but yeah, I I I just almost felt like he was doing his own investigating at that time. Yeah. So kind of overall, what did you think of episode three? I really liked it because like, again, as we talked about, like it, it really showed like the personal side of Echo in her relationship with her. Like, so you actually got to kind of feel for her and even the death of him by Ronan's sword. And, you know, you got to experience that. And then, you know, in the first couple of episodes, we barely saw Hawkeye fight like i mean you saw right. like the hooded you know the hooded figure on the car like it was like you saw a couple things but then this was the first episode like where he got his so or his uh his bone arrow and boom like you see him just start kicking ass and the way he shoots like the two arrows into yeah that like was the great. whole echo, echo to the wall which also shows too like he i mean he could have killed any of them you yeah. know like but he you know like and including echo right there boom he could have been ducked and you know i'm maybe at some point echo will like recognize that that you know he's not a terrible guy like he and he wasn't yeah. there to like kill her because he could have he was just like trying to stop her you know in the moment and uh so yeah we finally got to see it, him again using his bow and then we got to see more of kate's bow skills you know yeah. like i mean well you know we got to see the montage in the first episode and we got to see like the bell tower and you know uh the fire i mean there was a few things we saw but like this was way more like you know seeing with the lights yeah. and shooting it straight up in the air to land you know all these things to the point where that's yeah clint gives her the compliment of her being one of the best archers in the world you know yeah. like i mean he, he recognized it so i think it was really cool to be able to see both of them doing that and then like you said the car the car chase i thought they did like i just love the way that was filmed that you know was panning around and and it, it and we finally got our first glimpse into what everyone is talking about is, is that possibly fisk you know like right. that was the first time that we saw him possibly appear like yeah. if it is him i think it is right could be wrong could be no. crazy twist but i i mean i'm pretty certain it is yeah so, so what do, well, i mean well, what do you think uh so of the three episodes i feel like this was probably my favorite um mm-hmm. i thought in an episode that flew by so fast they managed to make it a heavy action episode and a heavy character episode 
you know, it, they, they did a good job of, like I said, building that backstory for Maya, telling us, you know, that scene with Clint and his son, it just speaks volumes about what has been going on in Clint's life where he's kind of been an absent father at times while still giving us two great action scenes, you know? So I, I thought with limited real estate, they did a really good job of, of moving the story forward. I can't believe they were already halfway done with the series. Seems crazy, but I, I really enjoyed the episode. Well, yeah, and I agree with the aspect of like introducing the the more personal side and the action side because a lot of times with shows, you know, I'm not like complaining or anything, but like a lot of times with shows, you'll have an episode where it really dives deep into like the characters' backgrounds and it's more emotional and it, that it that is what drives most of the show or or the episode or they have that more action driven episode but this one you're right it kind of combined both aspects within like 45 minutes or whatever right. you know it, it, and it really made you feel a lot of emotions like in different areas and then you also got to see some great action scenes so no i agree yeah so i'm excited for next week i you know I, i'm really enjoying this series like I, i've told you before i like all these disney plus shows that they've done each one kind of seems to have a theme. WandaVision was about loss. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier was about identity. Loki was about purpose. And this one, I can't really put my finger on yet, but it seems like they're really going for... Um, like mantles. And the stuff that Clint talked about when it came to, you're going to pay a price. So it seems like they're going to lean into, like we talked about before, Kate taking over as Hawkeye, but Clint needing to prepare her to know that if she does this and she's going to play this superhero game, that she's going to lose things. And yeah, that she's going to experience loss and that you know he is confident in her and what she's able to do so that he can kind of walk away and i swear i i started getting a little emotional thinking about what you had mentioned last week like when he was talking to his son and stuff i was like fuck they better not kill him like i mean i can right. see it happening but uh god i just want to see him right off into the sunset yeah you know and, and let kate take over you know it, it's like you know if he does die i mean again I, I i can see that happening but i just my god that would be just so sad right i i'm just i'm hoping so if if they were going to go the route of killing him i think they would do it in a way kind of like nat did at in avengers endgame it's going to be clint sacrificing himself to save kate but I'm hoping instead the route they go is Clint coming to terms with everything that's happened, coming to terms with him as the Ronin, coming to terms with Black Widow sacrificing herself for him and him being able to rejoin his family and not having that guilt trip on himself anymore so that he can just retire off into the sunset. I hope. I hope that's where we're going. Yeah, and that, that's what I want to see because... I, I don't, oh god i just can't even imagine like after seeing 
even just the first few episodes and how he is and everything and like if he ends up dying in the end yeah oh. well let's hope that doesn't happen <laughs> so anything else on episode three no i mean I, I think we covered it pretty well uh i didn't really have any other thoughts um i don't know kind of what you know like you totally thought at the end at the end of the episode like what he was doing what jack was doing there and you know what, yeah what that i, I haven't means, even really but... considered it but um but i think what you said holds water i do kind of wonder why he's there and if he he does have his his own motives or if he is questioning eleanor so that'll be something interesting to find out next week because i'm assuming we're going to pick up right where we left off yeah all right well cool so that's hawkeye episode three and our kind of deep dive and analysis of it we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Christian and I are each going to give you our list of our top five favorite Christmas movies. Okay, so it's Christmas season. So we thought we'd give you guys our list of top five favorite Christmas movies. Christian, why don't you go ahead and start with your number five? Uh, so this list was really difficult to come up with because there's a lot of christmas movies that i watch every christmas um so narrowing it down to my top five it was a pretty close call and even ranking them within the top five was pretty close but i'm gonna say my number five is the night before um okay I, i i you know i i feel like it was a movie that fell under the radar for some people somehow some people didn't see it but i watched that movie like every christmas time and i think it's fucking hilarious i love the characters in it i love the development between you know seth rogan calling his baby a cunt yeah yeah you stupid you know like and like and i love to like yeah through the whole movie the way he's like he keeps trying he keeps like doing too many of one drug and he tries right. to even it out with another drug and yeah. then like and it's just like it, it's so terrible and when he goes into the church and like yeah uh, you know like i i just thought do you like, think they know i'm jewish yeah and then he's like and then he sees like the baby looking at me he's like fuck you baby like yeah. <laughs> like yeah like he's just you know and then he's a puke and like it's just like uh, just the whole movie i thought was awesome and then like michael shannon making an appearance in it oh, like yeah. I, michael shannon oregano I think, <laughs> yeah, like, I think he's an underrated like actor like i know there are a lot of people that appreciate him and but people are always like oh he's so creepy and i'm like i know but like the way he he plays certain roles and stuff like especially this one i just thought was was awesome you know yeah and miley cyrus yeah and then yeah you you're not expecting that to get to that part right completely random and she's like performing and not only that she gets you know joseph gordon levitt to jump up and propose and yeah you know it's like i it's just a very like feel good yeah like it's it's hilarious It, it you know it also ties into like close friendships over the years and how people grow up you know and you start to kind of be distant from some of your friends you know like it just happens it's life and and you know but it still shows like the love that they always had for each other and you know but and then just again yeah seeing the whole like seeing Seth Rogen's trip through the whole night was just hilarious especially when he mixes up phones with 
right you don't know oh my god and he's just like yeah nice dick bro like, yeah what? like he's getting dick pics like, Dope dick, bro. <laughs> like he's just like what is going on like yeah. it was just but i i so yeah that's like one of my because i i mean that movie only came out in the last like five or yeah maybe to, you know like so it's, it's not a good like pick a, it's a good pick i, I kind of yeah. regret that i didn't put it on my list now it's just like yeah and i and i've gotten a couple people to watch it that had never even heard of it they're like what's and they're like wait seth rogan joseph gordon levitt and then well and at that time i didn't really know too much about anthony mackie you know yeah like, it, you know and it so like i've got a couple people to watch it now and they loved it you know they're like holy shit so yeah, that, yeah. that's my that's my number five all right good choice so for my number five i think i'm gonna i'm gonna audible and i'm gonna pivot I'm going to go with number five is the family stone, which okay. is definitely, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it'll put you in the Christmas spirit, but it also has some definite drama and it'll tug at your heartstrings, but it has a great cast. Um, Rachel McAdams, Luke Wilson, Craig T. Nelson, Dermot Mulroney, Diane Keaton. Um, probably the only time I've ever liked sarah jessica parker in a movie even though she plays a character that we are supposed to probably not like uh claire danes it's just it's really sweet it's a it's it has they do a really good job of showing a family that you can tell they really love each other it's not just a bunch of actors they put together in a room you know there's a lot of really subtle things in the movie that shows that you can tell these people grew up together and they um, care about each other and so I think it's a really sweet movie even though it um, it's not necessarily the feel-good Christmas movie of the year that's for sure well um, I think that's a perfect trans transition into my number four movie on my list the family stone okay um, <laughs> and I think it's awesome that you picked that too because um, I mean I wouldn't say it was like an under the radar movie like you know it was a probably like when it came out maybe i wouldn't say like blockbuster movie but you know probably right. more people did know about it. but um no i i like i i try to watch that one every year and any any right like it always puts me in the christmas spirit it is like such a christmas driven like movie you know it's yeah revolved around but you're right like the emotions and and, and i mean even like towards the end when when her mom opens up the that's exactly what i was thinking and that's you and me kid oh yeah like in like sarah jessica like oh i thought i just assumed it was you know him like yeah yeah and and like just the emotion of that alone knowing you know her illness and everything and yeah you can't cry yeah every fucking time i'm like oh my god i'm just turning such a baby right now like uh you know and so yeah the the emotion it that it brings and but also it's got a lot of comedy with it and sure you, you know and luke wilson too i i his character is just so, he's just so laid back and so right like, he just gives he, no fucks yeah exactly don't do anything you know and uh, I, I i he might be my favorite character in the movie yeah and, and what's funny is with him and sarah jessica parker it was like an opposite to track you know like right. by the end of it, exactly like, she's so high strung and so right just neurotic you know on edge, and with him like, she finally like lets loose a little exactly like she feels more comfortable because he's just so chill and so like it's all good like doesn't matter yeah you know and and 
I love to like, I mean, I, one of my all time crushes, if it has always been Rachel McAdams. And I, I love in this movie too, her character, like she's just like, so normal every day, like, you know, not like dressed up makeup y like you know right like you know everything like i just love her character and i love the relationships even with her and her brother you know like yeah like you said like it feels more real like you know everything how they interact together and everything you know i i i just it feels like a very authentic family exactly like it doesn't feel forced and that's what i love watching about it yeah all right, so my number four is definitely a little bit happier. Um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which okay. is kind of, kind of a classic. You know, um, it's typical. Chevy Chase starts out as a well-intentioned dad, and by the end of the movie, he kind of uh, uh, dives into madness. And, um, you know, you got crazy Randy Quaid there. You got... Johnny Galecki and Juliette Lewis playing the kids, which in every vacation movie, they always change the kids. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's a great movie about a dopey dad that keeps messing up everything having to do with Christmas. So I definitely think it's, you got to watch it every year type of movie. Yeah. And that was one that almost made my top five. It was like one of the ones I was saying that didn't quite make it, but sure. I, I love watching it and I love like, I actually was just thinking about it the other night uh, as I've told you, I, 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 every year I build a little Christmas village inside my house. And like this year it's been bigger than ever. I'm incorporating a train set and everything. And I have had to buy a couple more of like power strips, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like like, to be a little safe. And I was like plugging in things. And I was thinking about that, like just thinking about like him trying to find the right, places to play you know all right the electricity dangers that he has going on and stuff but no you're right i mean it, it's a funny movie it's a feel-good movie and and you know he always you know he he's christmas obsessed he loves everything about right. the, you know it decorating and you know so i yeah, i just I love the into- monologue he has at the end kind of going on that curse rant about his boss and uh you know and then randy quaid decides to go and kidnap him and the, the way the whole thing plays out i just i think it's great i i like all the vacation yeah. movies but this one's definitely a great holiday one yeah no it's the classic and 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 you're right i think it's funny because like randy quaid is like i'm gonna do do good right <laughs> you know by him and i'm gonna go and he kidnaps him and his the wife boss like, yeah yeah so and then i do love though that his then the boss's wife like got gets pissed at the end right that, you know, with took the bonuses. away the bonuses. Yeah. yeah. And so like, and so she's like flipping out. And so like, it turns out, yeah. Yeah. I it's agree. just kind it's of a perfect dopey, funny, you know, family holiday movie. Exactly. All right. So give us your number three. So my number three is Bad Santa. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, that, God, it's probably been... 15 years since that movie came out maybe more yeah. like no I yeah at I least mean, you know it's been a while but um I, I mean i've always loved billy bob thornton anyways but i think he was cast perfectly yeah. in this role like that's, that's his that's his best role i think oh my god like he just plays this role perfectly and it's just so dark at times but also hilarious and like and what i love about it is it 
even though it's like dysfunctional and dark at times, it still puts you in the Christmas mood. It still oh, yeah. revolves around Christmas. And I love seeing like how his character actually progresses a little bit to like, you wouldn't like say he's a good guy by the end, but you would say he wasn't a piece of shit, you know, right, like, right. you know, he finally like, or at least finds- he's a well-intentioned piece of shit by the end. Exactly. Because he finally develops, you know, like there's like one scene in that movie that always like gets to me. And it's when the kid made him the wooden pickle. Yeah. And he, he cut himself, yeah. you know, making it in like, and in that why moment, is it brown yeah yeah and he, you know and the kid has to explain like in, in that moment it was like the first time you see him like you can see that he has emotion like holy right. shit like or know, when this... he, he feels bad that he got drunk and ate all the candy out of the kid's advent calendar yeah he was like candy corns and yeah like, <laughs> like a like, tic-tac stuff. or something yeah. <laughs> and the kid's like this one has a candy garden he's like they can't all be winners right you know what you know like i love that you know or like constantly the kid's always is like you want a sandwich and he's like right. no i don't want a fucking sandwich yeah. like, yeah, I can I mean, see like some sandwiches yeah yeah and then, yeah and then the grandma like they're thinking she's dead the first time they see her right and like you know it she hops up let me fix you some sandwiches and yeah no i i you know there was a lot of scenes in there and even like when he starts to try to you know stick up for the kid at look his first moment of like him feeling good about himself is when he beat the shit out of a bunch of teenagers right but he's like <laughs> and he's and he's like but it was a good for a good cause or whatever he's you know like, yeah you know it's like his first time he felt like he did something for good you know and he starts right. like, he's kind of like, proud of himself for beating up a bunch of kids <laughs> yeah he's like but it was good like you know for something that meant something or whatever you know and 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 so no i I, I I love that, and then um, it's I think it's John Ritter's last role. Yeah, definitely ever. one of his last ones for sure. You know, yeah, it, it's at least one of his last ones, if not his last one. And I I love his like more kind of conservative, you know, and he's right. like trying to explain. And it actually, Bernie Mac didn't pass right. too many years after that either. Right. And, yeah. You know, and I love Bernie Mac's character in it too. And like he asked Bernie Mac to like investigate them and you know of course he gets in on the scam yeah like, trying to blackmail but but it's like when john Ritter, uh, he uh, he was like having sex with a larger word and he said you're not going to be able to s-h-i-t right for week you know yeah. like he's just like <laughs> his character's so like yeah you know, he's so clean conservative and, like, and doesn't yeah. want to yeah no it's a great so, pick great pick yeah yeah so i i love watching that one all right, so for me, number three is kind of a, a guilty pleasure. I I enjoy it a lot, and I know some people kind of hate it. I don't know why. I think it's really fun, and it's Love Actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, kind of like you said with Rachel McAdams, I really like Kara Knightley. Um, I think that the scene with her and um, uh, the the best friend of her new husband where he's standing outside her house and he has kind of the cue cards and he's telling her that Rick Grimes no <laughs> yeah no exactly and then it's like after I realized that was him it was kind of like mind blown you know like I'm looking up Andrew Lincoln and it's like wait a minute Rick is the guy in love actually <laughs> yeah it's like no. can you get two opposite of characters but um, I love that scene I mean it's kind of questionable that dude is in love with his best friend's woman 
But I mean, at least it's, you know, nothing scandalous happens. You know, he's not going to act on it. But I think it's a really cute scene. Hugh Grant is great in it. Um, you know, the whole cast is really good. It has a lot of heart. It has a lot of really good Christmas music. Um, you know, Liam Neeson, everybody kind of plays their little part. And I just really enjoy it. And every year it's one that I definitely try to find to watch. No, I agree. That was one that almost made my top five too, because it, 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 I love how it shows all these different, there's so many characters, right? but, but sometimes when a movie has too many characters, you don't get to see enough of them or understand it, you know, like, right. Kind of like a Valentine's know. day or mother's day or one of those like movies, like th- this one did it right. You know, like you, exactly. you, get, you, you get to know all of them. Colin Firth, when he goes off to that, you know, um, wherever Italian village or French village or something and meets that woman and they have the language barrier, but by the end, they're finding a way to communicate and everybody gets their moment, which is good. Yeah, no, I, and I agree. Like, even like, even with, uh, you know, at the end with the cue cards and stuff, like, you're right. He wasn't trying to do anything shady or anything. And in fact, throughout the whole movie, like, she always thought he hated her. Right. But it was just, you know, him, like, trying to avoid. Right, exactly. He's trying to, you know, be a good friend because he knows, like, it can never happen. Yeah, and then Hugh Grant, yeah, of course, is great. And I love you know the girl that he i can't remember her name now in the movie but the girl yeah he, he falls for i love her like how much she cusses right <laughs> you know, and it was always fuck. like did i just say it. fuck did i say fuck? yeah and then uh oh you actually love, just said it again actually i love when he says uh to someone on the staff like what happened to her uh, oh the chubby one he goes oh, yeah <laughs> yeah right <laughs> call her chubby or like yeah. and then uh um no, I no, I I thought they did well for as many characters as there was. You got a sense of each of their lives, you know. Yeah, exactly. It, no, I like that. One. All right, so top two. Let's hear it. Give me your number two. So my number two is something that no matter what always brings back to my childhood and just gives me these warm memories, and that's Home Alone. And I'm gonna say, I'm gonna cheat a little. I'm gonna say Home Alone and Home Alone Two. Like, okay, I'll accept not that. E- yeah, like not even, you know, I don't, all the other ones that happen after, I didn't even see, you know, like those ones, but those two movies, like, I mean, it brings me back to my childhood. And I mean, in the first movie, yeah, I know it's like over the top, you know, I mean, obviously no one can take a brick to the head. And, right. You know, like, you if know, this like, was real life, these two guys <laughs> yeah. would be dead. Yeah, they would have died a while ago. But, you know, but it's like it's just like more like it's also really feel good and even like i love even like the small roles from like john candy you know like seeing him in that and right and and the scene with him and the mom like in the moving van you know it's like in a lot of movies nowadays that scene gets cut because it doesn't really move the story along but us seeing it just it kind of gives insight into um, not only John Candy's character, but he's kind of making Catherine O'Hara feel better about the fact that they did this awful thing and left their kid at home, you know? And you're, you're right, in a small role, like, that's that's really good. All the little bit parts are fantastic. I'm going to, I'll just tell you, Home Alone is my number two also, so we can really dive into that. Oh, okay, perfect. And, yeah, well, um, yeah, 
and you're right like they could have just been like from the airport she could be like oh i'm catching this train or whatever like i'm doing this to get back right i mean you know so this is this is a mom that's going to do anything she can to get home to to her kid you know i can't even imagine how she feels and you know really really a lot of the movie is like you know the mother-son story you know at the beginning macaulay culkin's telling her you know he wants to live alone he you know doesn't care about any of them and she's kind of so fed up and on her last nerve that she almost just says well you know hopefully it happens maybe santa will give you your wish and obviously you know we see you know you never question how much she loves kevin because of what she does to try to get home to him yeah and and that's the thing too like in the moment in the beginning when she says that you know it's more of a she's almost like trying to tell him like you know appreciate your family and the ones that you love and like right and you know you're gonna regret that and we had seen in the beginning of course he's like eating all the ice cream watching you know yeah but and he's excited at first until, well i mean it's kind of it's every know. kid's fantasy you think about oh, like yeah. what would it be you know you've got this house all to yourself you eat all the junk food you want you watch whatever you want but by the end like he even realizes this is not what he wants yeah and i and also like it to this day too i i love seeing joe pesci in that role because yeah joe pesci he's one of my favorite actors and like yeah. seeing him from like a couple of my favorite like mafia like i mean like, like goodfellas yeah, good in casino right and like it's seeing the way he is and like can you imagine like he got you know going from one of the most ruthless mean characters yeah. in cinema to like a uh you know like a, you know a pg family, right you know right i just always really like has that. joe pesci ever been in another movie where he didn't use the f word i don't think so I, i'd have to look i have no idea right like yeah to me when i think of him i just think of the most angry like right. violent like you know so no i i i I, I like seeing him in there and then and then even like they even have like a little sides like tying in with the old man next door yeah. that you know like everyone you know all the kids in the neighborhood like he looks scary you know right. he's alone and everything and then you find out he's just a really good right lonely old man you know so and they're he, giving you the message that you know like that you know just because somebody seems like you know, they're scary or a bad person, like, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. But more than that, kind of like you already touched on is they're telling you that, you know, appreciate what you have, you know, and this man, you know, got in a fight with his son, and now he doesn't get to see his granddaughter and all that. And by the end, he comes to like, appreciate that, 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 you know, that's all he wants is a relationship. And we get to kind of see him patching things up, which is really nice. Yeah. And to this day too i still i can still hear in my head uh, i love the scream that daniel stern does when kevin sets the tarantula on right. his face <laughs> like, right the, the which movie's i think would probably like, be my scream oh yeah if, if, someone, if someone set a tarantula on my yeah. face i think that would be my scream too <laughs> the but, movie's but, full <laughs> of those iconic moments you know kevin yeah. with the aftershave or um yeah daniel stern with the spider or stepping on the nail or just you know so many moments that because we've watched it every year yeah. you know actually i feel like i i think home alone was the second movie i ever saw in a theater it was with you and i don't even remember where it had to have been like 1990 so we were like you know six 
but it was probably um, it was probably in that small Auburn theater. It probably was. But <laughs> I remember the first movie I ever saw in the theater was Tony I Shrunk the Kids, and then the second one was Home Alone. So those I always remember those two were my first like, you know, um, in an actual theater, not the drive-in or anything like that. But so Home Alone's just been a part of our lives for thirty years, you know. Well, and that's the thing. Like I think a lot of people around our age are, will always look at that, you know like you know it brings you back to your childhood you know like it's just it's a feel-good Christmas movie and it you know it really brings you back so yeah Yeah. I even it to this day I I still watch that movie (laughs) all right hit me with your top so my top and of course it's always going to be an argument of whether it's a Christmas movie but I will never ever say it's not a Christmas movie is Die Hard I, I watch Die Hard every single year and no, it's a uh, it's different than any year feel good or calm. You know what I mean? Like the, there's a right. It, it it is different. I will. It's a it's I will, an action I, movie. I will argue that yes, but it's but, an action Christmas movie for sure. But every time I watch it, it still puts me in the Christmas spirit. And there's a lot of Christmas elements in it. Sure. It now saves, I have know, a like, machine gun. Yeah, ho, 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 ho. Yeah, you know, it, it, you know, and it's at a Christmas party, and like there's all these mentions. Like to me, it, it it you know, and it's it's winter obviously in New York and it, it, everything about it always, even though it is an action movie, it always makes me feel like Christmas in a yeah. different way than the sure. family stone or something, obviously, right. but, you know, but it, it, it's just that original, amazing action movie with Bruce Willis and it, you know, it gives me that Christmassy feel and stuff. So that, that that's always going to be my number one. Like, yeah, no, it's, a, it's a good pick. And I, I love Die Hard too. I definitely think it's a Christmas movie. Like if you're, you know, every year when you're going through all the movies you want to watch, Die Hard has to be on it. You know, it, it it's full of Christmas music. It's It takes place at Christmas time. There are Christmas lights everywhere. Like just because it's not, it's a wonderful life doesn't mean it's not a Christmas movie. I never understand that argument. Exactly. Because it's like, it could have been set at any time of the year, you know, like in right. the same premise. It could have been like, just like a like some kind of uh meeting part whatever at the you right. know like i mean it could have been uh, die hard three you know it's yeah. like it's well, an exactly. action movie that's just not you know be but the setting makes it a christmas movie yeah and, and so that's why i've always thought of it as a christmas movie and always well and it's it's just it's just my top yeah so what's your number one so mine it's it's like not even close really like this is my christmas movie and every year christmas eve i watch it without fail and it just has all the feels and gives you all the magic and that's the santa claus tim allen just oh, okay the movie the movie that taught me that denny's is always open the, the movie that um just kind of goes behind the scenes and has a you know kind of a curmudgeon dad that reluctantly has to become santa claus it's just again it has all the music it has all the feelings they show us the north pole i'm not a huge fan of the sequels you know like i'll see them and i'll take them but there's nothing like the original santa claus it's just i think it's the perfect christmas movie oh and i actually i I love that movie too it's funny because that i mean and that came out when i mean not as young as when we you know for yeah home alone stuff, i would say we were, i think it's like 94 
yeah we were younger and oh yeah um and i i all i always love to like seeing the scenes and stuff like where he goes to shave and then it comes back or right. like or get in the gut and he goes to the doctor and they're like you put on a little weight or whatever and he's yeah like, does this look like you know it's like the doctor asked him gut. you know <laughs> what's your diet been like and he says milk and cookies <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and, and it's like him stepping into this role and he finally accepts it you know and and, and i love and, judge reinhold as his ex-wife's new husband the yes. you know the psychiatrist he's hilarious and all he wanted when he was a kid was the weenie whistle and, and i love to i mean he's also underrated like you don't see him in enough things yeah. i think no, you know especially and, not anymore yeah, I mean, of course, in the eight, like you think of Fast Times at Ridgemont High and right, like, Beverly Hills you know, Cop. Yeah, you know, a lot of, but you know, he, he you know, hasn't been a ton of movie, movies recently, but uh, no, I, I do love, yeah, because then even like him, who you think is like someone strong, like, but like psychologically, like he breaks down about the, yeah, what, you know, right, like, you know, like he's trying to make sense of it all because it just doesn't make sense, you know, like mathematically to him exactly like he analyzes he's so analytical right but then it, you know like to see him trail of it too like no i i no i i, I watch that movie too whenever i have a chance so so some some honorable mentions that didn't make my list the one that i that i just bumped out was i'll be home for christmas with jonathan taylor thomas speaking of tim allen there's your home improvement connection oh, yeah i haven't seen that movie in years actually yeah i i, I love it. it like you know it's a kid trying to travel cross country with kind of unpure motives but by the end he realizes you know kind of like all these christmas movies what's really important to him so i love that movie gremlins always you know a a fun Uh, again some people would say that's not even really a christmas movie it just takes place at christmas but i would consider it a christmas movie jingle all the way you know, the Grinch Scrooged with Bill Murray is great. And a Muppet Christmas Carol, kind of the same story, just different takes on it. Um, Elf. I, I think Elf is kind of overrated. Some people would definitely say that's their favorite movie, their favorite Christmas movie. I like it. I think it's fine. You know, if we were making a top 20 list, it would be on there, but it's definitely like not one of my favorite Christmas movies. I agree. It, it definitely wasn't going to make my top five. I do enjoy watching it when it's on. Like you know, there were a lot of things I I, I really like about it, but it, yeah, de- I mean, yeah, I don't. It wouldn't even make my top ten. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, a Christmas story is a classic. But I feel like uh, I that's a movie I don't even want to watch every year. You know, every couple years I feel like is plenty of time just because I've seen it so much. I definitely don't understand the you know TNT and TBS doing the. 24 hour marathons of it but i mean it is it is a cute christmas movie yeah and that's the thing like i think i think that one would make my top 10 um and but i i agree with you i've seen it so many times and i i own i own that movie on dvd and i still will watch parts of it like on tnt or TV, whatever it is like it was like i'll have the tv and then i'll see this for 24 hours and i'll catch a scene here or there like if, but I, I mean i've seen it so many times but there i mean there are some iconic scenes in it and it's a very sure. like classic christmas movie so yeah right. it would make my top 10 yeah and for anybody that's listening i told christian earlier my 
my new recommendation is everybody check out 8-Bit Christmas on HBO Max. And if HBO Max wants to send a little money our way for doing a promotion we'll take it but <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a modern day telling of a christmas story with a, a little bit different of a twist and anybody that was an 80s or 90s kid i think will enjoy it yeah and that you know after you told me about it tonight and i like i said i had kind of seen a quick preview i definitely want to check it out because i think it'll be one of those movies that brings me back yeah that, and you know, neil patrick can... harris is really good in it and another Neil Patrick Harris Christmas movie, a Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. I always enjoy too. I, I, so funny because the first Harold and Kumar, obviously I loved it. The, the second one, I think had a lot of funny things to it and they would definitely have me laughing, but I actually then think I enjoyed the third one better just because it, it showed like, you know, at, at this point, like, they weren't even really friends. I mean, they were friends, right. but you know, like you know, and then the whole tree burning down. And yeah, going on, no, it's, know, it's like, funny. It's good. Yeah. And I, I remember when it came out in theater, and I obviously used to work at a movie theater, um, and it was in 3D. It was kind of, it was kind of the 3D that you imagine when you were a kid. 3D, you know, it's more gimmicky where things are actually coming at you, not mm-hmm. the, you know, watching random cartoon movie that just shows a little bit of depth, and they call it 3D. Yeah, no, exactly. No, I, I, I always enjoyed that one. And, uh, and MPH and all of them are, he's just fucking hilarious. Yeah. I love, I, I, I love too, that it comes out too, that he just like says he's pretending to be gay. Right. In real life. <laughs> like, you know, he's actually straight and that's just his, his move. <laughs> right. That's yeah. hilarious. So yeah. Uh, just to recap, my five was the family stone Christmas vacation Love Actually, Home Alone, and The Santa Claus. And my top five were uh, The Night Before, uh, The Family Stone, Bad Santa, Home Alone, and Die Hard. I, I think those are two strong lists right there. Yeah, no, I, I, I think anybody would enjoy any of those movies, you know, around the Christmas time yeah. to watch. And, you know, and I'll be watching them this month. So. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. We're going to be back next week and do our Hawkeye episode four recap. And we'll be doing another top five list as we're going to kind of rank the order of all previous Spider-Man movies. So Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, the new MCU Spider-Man movies we'll throw in into the Spider-Verse and um, we'll get us in the Spidey mood right before No Way Home comes out. So Until next week, we'll see you guys on the screen. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Have a good one.